when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, July 9th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 168. I'm your host, Austin Walker, and it is hot in New York yet again. It is so hot, in fact. Okay, so, so we, got an, we got an email that said the HVAC in the first on floors one, two, and three are is broken. It's borked. broken. It's borked. It's fucked. It's HVAC'd. It's HVAC'd it up. Yep. And I know what you're thinking. It's a three-floor building, so they have a basement. I guess it's working in the basement, which is good. Cause it's it's actually the- a little, little musty in there. It we is. Down in the basement earlier, it's a little mm, mm. questionable. I went into the kitchen here, and one of the uh, someone in, on the social team was like looking through all the snacks with like a with like a like an eagle's eye, just like looking for something vulnerable and something delicious, presumably. And I was like, "Hey, hey, what's up, Mike? Like, what's what are you looking for?" And he was like, "Goldfish." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I don't. See, I think we're out of goldfish." <sighs> He's like, "Yeah, I know." And the M&M's have all melted. And so it's like, oh. He's having a bad day. He got pretzels. He's fine now. As long I, as he got something. He got something in the system. Right. The, idea the M&M's of just, are melting in the office, though. Yeah, the M&M's are melting it's in the bad. office. It's bad. It was We've bad. we got high wax content to prevent that very situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a, but it's a legal amount of wax. I want to be clear. We've not broken any regulations. Scott Pruitt says it's okay. Oh, well, you know, not Scott well, Pruitt anymore. Well, uh, yeah. Thankfully, that's that's pretty dope. In any case, it's the voice of Rob Zachney. Also joining us, Daniel Riendo and Patrick Klepik. Hello. How's everybody doing? Everybody's back from a, from a week of... On again, off again, days off. Some of us took some time off for vacation. Some of us were sick for a whole week. Rob Zachney, how are you feeling, buddy? Uh, feeling better. Uh, basically, I had a summer cold or flu or something that was basically like all the shitty parts of being drunk off your ass, mm-hmm. uh, but none of the good parts. Oh. Uh, so it was like a solid week of just living that moment where you realize like, you know, like with a bad hangover, there's that moment where you're like, what if I never get better? <laughs> what if this is just my life now? Right. Uh, that was my life for a solid week. So, like, every time I stood up or, like, turned my head too quickly, Durham would swim for, like, a couple minutes. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. And it was... That's bad. It, it was real bad. It, it was bad. And, uh, you know, but I, but I, you know, ended up having to take the whole week. Uh, but I ended my, my weekend in style... Uh, doing a memory test on my PC, trying to figure out why it keeps locking up. And since memory tests take a while, I decided, what the hell, why not stay up late waiting for this test to finish and watch Skybound? <laughs> oh, oh, you did it. Yeah. How I was watched it? Skybound. It's can we set up? Can you please please set up Skybound for the the listeners that maybe are new, uh, the newer, and newer we're folks. not there when, when we had our Skybound moment? 
Yeah, this is a movie that came to my attention at least when um like somehow Alex Navarro stumbled across a trailer for it and the pitch line for this movie is what if suddenly the ground was gone? Good question. <laughs> oh uh, wow. Yeah, so it's a bunch of uh like C tier, D tier actors. Uh oh, like all uh like they look like people who were turned down from uh, like a high school show, or like no. a fan made, or like a fan made, oh like Saved God, by the Bell yeah. reboot. Uh, like the only person you recognize in this movie is the dude from the first season of The Flash, uh, Eddie. <laughs> okay, uh, sure. Who, yeah, I believe you. Yeah, he yeah he buys it. It's 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 tough. Spoilers for The Flash, by the way. He's the only guy you'd recognize in this. But it's a bunch of uh, like you know young twenty somethings on a private jet off to party, and while they're up in the air. The ground disappears. Whatever the fuck that means. It means uh, a great what do you mean, cinematic experience. You presumably, watch that movie. Presumably, you have the answer to this. Well, they, yeah, but they. So the ground. It, to my dismay, the ground does not actually disappear. Oh. Like it's on fire, right? No, it's nukes. Oh. So yeah, they can't Spoiler land. Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah, uh, they can't land. And at one point, uh, a character's father's on the phone telling her, "Like you must stay skybound." <laughs> I repeat, stay skybound. Uh, so that so they do. Uh, and then I, sh- I I swear to God, in the most like the most bizarre moment in this movie is where whatever the fuck the actor's name is, Eddie Thawne from The Flash, yep. when he explains his plan to extend the flight range of this private jet by cutting off an engine to save weight, and he's <laughs> like... He brandishes a little fire axe, and he's like, this axe is steel, but the airframe is aluminum. <laughs> steel cuts aluminum. That's classic. So so if I go out there, I can cut the engine off the plane. <laughs> and then everyone's like, you're crazy. This is, is never like, going to work. Is it like on fire? No. They just need to cut weight so that the plane can extend its fuel its fuel range and reach engine? Hawaii. It's got two engines. Mm-hmm. So it's like the fly on one engine and the plane will be you know several hundred pounds lighter. So it'll be good. Anyway, everyone's like, this is never going to work. Think about what you're doing. And then he gives a very lightly modified version of the Pacino speech from any given Sunday. Oh, no. To explain why he's got to do this. Good. He's like, right Great. now, we're in hell. This plane is our tomb. But if I go out there and cut this engine off and we work together, with each cut, we're going to pull ourselves out of hell. And everyone's like, yeah, let's go cut that engine off. Great. And they do. You know what? And then they and then they die and then cut to black. They didn't that make sounds, it to Hawaii. That sounds great, honestly. Patrick, did you go to Hawaii? You look tan. You look red. Yeah, I didn't go. I I didn't touch a video game for Hell five yeah. days. I just went outside. I drank too much. I didn't sleep that much. I had a good time. I beaches, you stopped. Pay, you, you were able to disengage from our political chat. I was I got push notifications, so I got the big stuff. Wait, okay, didn't click Beaches, on it. Beaches, boats, ballads, and bars. That's the name of the Jimmy Buffett compilation collection. Did you go? What? Wait, how do you know that? I'm a parrothead. Oh, okay. Wow, <laughs> Harry Potter <laughs> parrothead. 
A lot of things what confirmed What are the today. secrets? What other secrets do we need to know about Rob's acne? I don't know. I feel like every day it was just there's a new, a new one. There's a, there's new, a new one. one. Rob was in Skybound. Oh, <laughs> my God. He okay. was the plane. I was the plane. Rob was yeah, the, the big of the boy. Plane. You know what? <laughs> Rob the plane is an all right. I, I, you know what? I think in... It's all right. Yeah, in Pixar's Planes 2, Rob could be the plane from Skybound. I'm good with that. Uh, so wait, you did nothing. You did no video games. No nothing, nothing, Patrick. Zero. Zilch. I brought up a PS4. I brought my Switch. They remained in a bag. I decided to just just walk away. Zero interest. Wow. Nice work. Good it was job. good. It was good. I spent like you know a whole, I was seven hours on a boat, just like floating Fishing? along. Fishing? What were you doing? Nah, just boating. Went on a jet ski. Ah. No, it's good to know people that have money but don't have any money yourself and then just <laughs> leech off of them. That sounds great. And then, it's knowing people, and then it's knowing people that know people that have more money than them and then just like right. working your way up a ladder of access oh, to things yeah. that you will never have in your life. Each way, each, each I, cut. I think yeah. you're describing being a con man. I think that's... <laughs> Look, I brought, down, I brought down a bucket of ice for people to put the beer in. I didn't bring the beer, but I brought the ice. The kids wanted to go on the jet ski. They're too young to go by themselves. So I said, hey, I'll take you out on this jet ski. I'm a responsible you. adult. And then That's hours right. later, when you clipped enough letters out of the magazine, you were like, I'll bring back your children <laughs> if. Uh, see, I was going somewhere else with it, which is where, where Patrick comes back and then just pretends to be one of the kids' dads and just like talented Mr. Ripley's his way into a <laughs> yep. different person's life. Well, I just take the jet ski to the other side of the lake and then right. no one knows who I am over there. That's true. That's yeah. <laughs> Jay Catsby. <laughs> That's it. That changes with his K. name with a K. K for clapping. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Uh, so I, I guess like you know we can talk a little bit about video games. I, I, I guess my computer didn't break and and I wasn't on any jet skis. I played Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight's still good. Yeah. I played. Uh, I played Six Ages. I just want to shout that out really quick. Um, in fact, maybe this would be my early waypoint for the for the game for the for the episode. Six Ages is the follow up to King of Dragon Pass, that game I pitched y'all a couple of like a month ago now. The Glorantha, like a like high fantasy uh, Viking kind of text driven story strategy game thing with yeah. with cool quests and stuff. Six Ages is dope as hell. Um, I haven't is gotten it enough. Of, yeah, it's out. It's out on iOS. It's out now. You can play it. You can go get it and play it. Um, it's cool. I think a PC release is coming at some point. Uh, it is so cool because it takes place in the same basic universe as King of Dragon Pass. And so there's like similar things. You know, the, the, it's a game about running a clan and like having like a tribe, uh, having to deal with a good clan, a good clan. I, you you heard me catch myself, uh, having to deal with like the different families of that tribe and, and, and try to make sure that everyone's like the gods are pleased and you have enough food for people, but also your neighbors, the neighboring clans aren't like, don't hate you. And maybe doing a little bit of warfare and stealing people's cows, but also helping people against, you know, diseases or whatever. It's a really cool open-ended story driven game. The thing I love the most about it is that as a fan of the first one, it takes place in the same world but but at a different time and your perspective on events is so different because you're not from the same culture but some of the events the mythological events are the same right and so the example that I like to give is that um, in the in the 
King of Dragon Pass, there's a god named Humacht, and he's like a Viking death god. He invented the sword, which means he invented wounds, and eventually he even in- invented death, uh-huh. which is a big deal in the mythology because until then, no one could die, including the gods. But this guy was like, oh, Brother Orlanth, I got your back. If you want to kill Yelm, the sun god, I got this sword for you, and now you can kill people with it. He won't just get hurt. He'll get hurt so bad he doesn't exist anymore, and that was new. That's what Humacht, the death god, brought to you and he's like all black everything black hair white cross on his on his chest because it's like a sword cross thing it's like metal as fuck original goth yeah uh, right original yeah. goth in six ages you learn about humacht too and he's like a try hard redditor who really wants to get with one of your maternal goddesses yep. and just he's like hey um i know you're a goddess of healing and i think that's pretty cool so i invented hurting people which means you're like well, you can heal them now and that makes you more popular with people and she's just like, okay, thanks, Humacht. Thank you very much, buddy. And then later he's like, I invented killing people, so now people really want to hang out with you. And it's just like so fun to be like, okay, you're from a different culture, and so your myths reflect this different vision on all these gods and goddesses and yeah. mythological events. And like, you know, you happen to like the sun god a lot, and so you very specifically dislike the shitty people from the first game who killed your god or whose god killed your god. It's a really cool game, and, and seeing them mix up the, the kind of position of the mythology is so fun. Um, again, it's on iOS, and we don't have an iOS capture set up right now. Um, I don't know how hard that would be to set up, but you can do screen easy. capture depending. Is it, on is it pretty easy still? Okay, it's there, well, yeah, it's uh, there's both a, 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 an official Apple like dongle that okay. just does an HDMI out, and then there's also cool. Like, uh, capture software that so look at that I, I have to talk to somebody about whether or not a pc release is forthcoming soon or late and if it's soon i might want to do a stream of that and, and show that off i really like it six ages but other than that same old same for me uh, anybody else have any interesting week stuff seems like no uh so i i started playing moon crash as well uh, Ooh, ironically yeah! moon crash is where my pc began to die uh so <laughs> like truly room. Yeah, like it it really was the the, the moon crash experience. Uh but nevertheless, um that's a difficult game to explain. I like I had Even not really after under- Danielle like pitched it to us, there were still some things you didn't quite get or I never really quite figured out the overarching meta goals of these runs and how mm-hmm. they all fit together, like and where the si- the simulation resets were. Um, like there's, there's just a lot of like nuances to how the overall structure of moon crash works that like you go on and explain. And like, once you see the game in action, they're like perfectly like legible to you. But like, I heard Danielle explain this game three different times and it wasn't until I played it that I was like, Oh, so that's how the economy of this game sort of works. So that's where the resets really start to bite you. Um, well, tell me where they bite me. I don't want to get bitten. Well, there's literally a moon shark, so you might get bitten. I don't, moon shark. A, I don't want to deal with the watch, moon shark. Watch for the moon shark. What do you shark. mean there's a moon? You can't just drop in that there's a moon shark. I mean, the game does to you, and it eats you like a hundred times before you figure uh, out how to deal Candy Graham. What is this? What is this? Is this a- <laughs> All right, the moon no. shark is literally... <laughs> it's so, you know the nightmares in the first game, yeah. in the main game? The okay. type the type It's a nightmares. little bit like a nightmare, yeah. only... But it eight. doesn't suck. Yeah, it's That's way better. Great. That's good. It just looks kind of like that. And what it does is, if you can picture the lunar surface as if it were a calm ocean, oh, like I the hate dust this. itself. Yeah, the this dust. is terrifying. Oh, it's awful. 
And all, you hear like a little rumble and you see like, you know, the sort of ridges of something mm-hmm. moving on that lunar soil. And then up jumps a horrifying creature that can one shot kill you. That's a moon shark. And yeah, it, is, it is very bad. It will bad. hone in on your footsteps like within a, within a second. So like yep. if you get stranded out in the dust, you will see the like onrushing furrow of rocks and dirt like racing towards you, you as this thing too. comes to just like wreck you. Yeah, it's it's eerie, um, but yeah, I really like it. Um, I take back a lot of like my initial reservations. Wow, thank you. Thank you. I thought Just you might. on Waypoint Radio. Might. <laughs> yeah, like it's also forcing me to play prey in really interesting ways. So like. You, you talk a little, you, you know, Danielle, you've talked about this, and I, I think you're working on a piece that's going to touch on this as well. Uh, so I don't want to be, like, cribbing from the thing I literally just edited. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> like, right. Morgan Yu, you could basically spec out however you wanted. And, like, Morgan Yu was, like, an unstoppable superhero. The characters in this game have, like, legit builds. That, like, mm. there's shit they can do and there's shit they can't do. Uh, oh, and another key point. As you go through the runs... The resources one character takes out of the world will not be there for the next player to go through. So, like, if you take that shotgun in the first area, that shotgun's not going to be there for the next character to go into the world. Right. So you really need to think about, like, okay, who's left to get off of this moon base? What do they actually need? What are they good with? And what am I safe taking? Uh, so what's going to what's going to complement their approach, or or at least my approach to this character, and what's going to, like, handicap it? Um, and that really changes things. Awesome. I sure does. Is, is, as I work through Hollow Knight, I have to finish that before I play something else. <laughs> or I have to at least get to a place where I'm saying I'm done with it. I said this on Hot Mike Mornings today, but I'm getting to a place. I like Hollow Knight, Hollow Knight a lot still, but I'm hitting some platforming sections that are pushing me pretty hard. Um, and there have been moments where I've been like, ah, maybe I just want like a really good let's play of this. Um, I don't think I'm there yet. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm still enjoying it a lot. Uh, but if I do get caught up and end up watching a let's play instead, I this this double whammy of of people telling me that Moon Crash is really good makes me want to maybe play Moon Crash. It's awesome and it's really hard. How does it stack up to the original – not the original Prey – to Prey 2017? I is think it it's, the outsider situation, or is it a? Uh, no. no, I think you kind of need to know what you're doing a little bit because it okay, is I mean, very I, difficult, actually. Like you need to be well, pretty sorry. familiar with what, the mechanics. What I actually meant was not that's not the part of the thing. I meant the like, does it feel like it reflects a great deal of knowledge of what the game systems are in yes. a way that actually might be more rewarding than some of sure. the stuff in Base Prey? Yeah, I, I, you could. I, I could see people who didn't. Who like were turned off by the last third of, of Prey? Who thought, oh, it got a little weird at right. the end, or it kind of dragged at the end? I could see them getting very, very, very into this. It's also it changes all the time. Like it's a constantly evolving experience. The further you go in, and there's a sort of shell narrative. I think I, I may have uh, mentioned that at one point. But you are a hacker who's going into this simulation. But he has a story too. There's kind of a story to him as well. And the further you get, and the further you get, the more characters you open, the more characters oh, you open. Right. There's five total, I think, unless there's like a secret other character. Uh, things get more difficult or certain variables will change at different times. So things like, oh, the power's out in this section of the map. So you need to go and like switch the power on basically before you can do anything else. And, you know, so on and so forth. Like, or environmental hazards will be different. So it mm-hmm. really does change things up and it really does sort of 
reward you for being clever about all of those changes. Rob, it looks like you, you have something. Yeah, I mean, like, like a nightmarish thing that will happen in this game is uh, you know where an escape pod is from a previous run. And so at a certain point, you're like, I'm running out of time. Because the longer you're in the sim, the more corrupt it gets, the nastier enemies get, and the more there are of them. So you, like, start racing toward an escape pod. And it is a nauseating feeling when you run into that room where every other time the escape pod has been sitting there. And this time you run in. That's good. The escape pod's still there. And it's broken beyond repair. Like you're standing uh, there, like, like trying to poke at the controls, and it's like, yeah, power's <laughs> offline. This thing's never launching. So, wait, how long does a run last for either of you? Uh, oh, you depends can... okay. a great deal. There is an item that is delay loop time, and so it's like it's like costs a thousand points or whatever. Yeah. So again, when you're going in, you create a loadout, and you say yeah. everybody has like a default loadout, but I'm always going in with a lot of extra stuff that I happen to know will be helpful for me in whatever I'm trying to accomplish in that run. Like, oh, I want to explore a lot on this run, so I'm going to get a whole bunch of these little delay times that'll actually let me be in there for longer to keep the corruption down for longer and longer. It can last you an hour. It can last you a lot longer than that. It can also last you, like, a ridiculously short amount of time because it's really easy to die Mm -hmm. and lose, you know, all your stuff. Uh, But you do have persistent progress, which helps. If you didn't, I think I would hate this a little bit, to be honest with you. Like, because I... usually detest permadeath as a mechanic. I, I hate it. I honestly hate it uh, a little bit. But uh, the fact How many that hours in, into the breach? 478 okay. at this point. Yeah, just yeah. want to make, just as yeah. a uh, non sequitur, I know. I know. Just, yeah, I know. I hate that about that game, too. Don't worry. Okay. I love that game so much that I'm playing it despite, despite that. that. Okay. I, I didn't know if that was a situation where you were like... I fucking hate permadeath. Where you were like, <laughs> actually, this has changed my opinion on permadeath. Okay. I hate it. Okay. But it's such a great little puzzle game. That, it is. You know. Anyway, so, sorry. Go on. A thing I really dig about um so like before the like the simulation, each run you take with a character, that character's either gonna die or they're gonna escape. That's basically your your two outcomes. Once you've run through all the characters, the simulation resets and basically everything goes back to a new state and that's when everything's rearranged. Uh and so once you sort of cycle through your available roster of characters, um if you've completed everything i presume that's the end of the game but if not everyone has checked all their boxes simulation is over it resets now you have to run all those characters through again as long before that simulation is reset the corruption is persistent between runs and so if one character lingers like and is just searching everything out and takes it from like corruption level one up to corruption level four and then they make their escape. The next character in walks into right. corruption level four, and it is a shit show. That's yeah. awesome. And so That's you've got to really be cool. like, I'm going to spend all my points arming myself to the teeth so I can survive corruption level four. Right. The cool thing that changes up is a lot of immersive sims, I think, can make themselves a little boring by encouraging you to sit on your ass and like yep. plan stuff out meticulously yep. and overanalyze. The most fun mm-hmm. I ever had with the most recent – not the most recent Deus Ex, but Deus Ex Human Revolution was one where I committed to no safe scumming. I was like, all right, if things go bad, I have to shoot my way out of this. Yep. And that turned out to be really fun. I'd already played through the game once super stealthy where I was willing to right. take you know, all that sitting on my ass time. But then like – I had so much more fun playing through where, like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not just going to sit and, and do the optimal solution. So it sounds like this, Rob, fixes that. Dude, it, there, like, there are moments where, like, you're sort of dialed in and you got your best character and you're basically playing Prey as if you're, like, in the raid or something. Right. Like, yep. you are right. just fucking moving through that All level, right. All right. murdering good. shit. It is sounds amazing. Good. 
It's so good. Awesome. Oh, it's so good. And it has all that great level design and all those right. nice, delicious systems on top of systems on top of systems on top of systems that you can interact with. And it's so much fun. I'm having a lot of fun right now to be to give you a specific example with Riley Yu, who's like Morgan Yu's cousin. Okay. Who, who they really the do moon. the fucking OC of like, oh, also they it's have her a cousin. cousin and, it's her cousin. Uh, yeah. Yeah, good. And like she does not think highly of Alex. She thinks Alex sure. is a butthead. Oh, so it's, it's very, butthead. very good. Okay. Um, I'm having so much fun with her. Uh, so, so she's sort of like a Typhon uh, build, I right. guess. So like, like a lot of Typhon powers. Stuff, right? yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of fun things to be done with turning into things, of course, okay. which I didn't do too much of in the base game because my first run was all human. And then I played with sort of all the powers, which was really fun and really rad. But like you can turn into so many things and you can use that to do so many mm-hmm. weird things in this game. A lot of unexpected things. Uh, so I'm having a lot of fun really just exploring sort of the limits of the systems and always being pleasantly surprised that I am allowed to do all kinds of bullshit. Uh, that's the thing I like the most about this game and what I like the most about Prey, you know, the, the base game, I guess, is just that that game is so happy for you to break it. That game is is just delighted right. when you break find something or if you find a new yeah. weird thing uh, to fuck with. It is just like it was made with that. Very, very, very much so. Like we want a certain type of player to like have a fucking blast with these tools right. and this in these toys and to just absolutely go wild. Yeah, I remember there was a moment that I thought I got stuck, completely stuck in prey, uh, down in something that almost looked like it wasn't even level geometry. It was still level geometry, but it looked like it was like the type of level geometry you see through a window or through a grate. To like add depth, but not actually to you're supposed to be there. And the only way I got out was I had one of those implosion grenades or implosion mines. What are those called? Oh, the recycler. Recycler. The recycler charges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, And I, I, I had not even thought about using them as a way to move through the environment, but I used it to destroy a grate that would let me back out. And I like literally was stuck in there for fifteen, twenty minutes until someone on Twitter suggested using the recycler charge that way. I was like. Oh, that's awesome. Like, yeah. it's so cool that that is what managed to destroy this grate. That I, nothing else I would do would touch that grate. Like, no, it wasn't a grate that was meant to be, like, punched through or shot right. through or anything. Like, I tried a million other things, but the recycler charges totally did it. And it was, like, awesome. Yep, yeah. cool. Um, awesome. It's climbing my list as, as the two of One you. One day I would love it. to watch you play. Crash. Awesome. I, so the other thing I did last week, actually, let's, you know, let's take a quick break and then let's maybe dig into our big topic for the week, which which is a conversation that I think we probably would have had last Friday. Um, but instead, we are all resting and recovering and enjoying our times off and et cetera. Uh, or, or, or you know, uh, handling the shop here, Danielle, as you Handle, like handling the that only shop. person here, I think, last Yeah, last I did Friday. a lot of writing about uh, Mooncrash. Moon Crash. So you it, did. That's it good. made sense. All right. So we will be right back. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. All right. So last Friday, you know, a bunch of people have asked us about this, and I feel like it's silly of us to, like, beat around the bush or, like, 
kick the can down the road until someone explicitly asks us, a, emails us a question bucket question that we pull out. Um, writing Skybound 2. That's it. We are the uh, writing team. The writing, production, crew. acting, filming, editing. crew, editing. Yeah. Uh, if you want to try and get into Trolls 2, then why can we not get into our own cinematic universe? So this one, Skybound 2. Skybound 2. going to be steel. And yeah, the whole plane seal, and it uses "Bound 2, the Kanye West song as its theme. Oh, I thought this was "Bound 2, like the lesbian Wachowski. It's, well, it's actually movie. a crossover. It's Sky oh, yeah. takes place in the sky. Corky's it's back. The sequel to Corky's the movie back. Bound. Corky's back. She's a plumber, but she's also a steel worker. Steel worker. And then you know, cut up the engines. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. she can cut up. Bound's that. really good. Bound I'm is back. fucking I fantastic. Gone back. I've gone back. I don't think I've seen Bound since. I was like 24. No, it's fantastic. It's, okay, good. Yeah, it's okay. great. Wachowskis are fantastic. Yeah. So uh, anyway, <laughs> um, so the story that, that I think a lot of people captured a lot of people's attention last week was the firing of two writers from ArenaNet, developer of Guild Wars 2, um, after a, a – so I guess the, the way I'll set this up is – um, a a writer, uh, uh, actually a narrative designer. Important distinction: narrative designer on on Guild Wars Two, named Jessica Price, um, made a tweet thread, like twenty some tweets that was basically like, "Hey, here is why it's hard to uh, develop kind of dialogue trees and dialogue systems for players in MMOs." Uh, and you know that that thread was an interesting thing. It was just kind of like, hey, you can you can do branching to some degree, but like you want to give your players some choices around around how they understand their characters and how they express their characters. But at the same time, MMOs are not single player games, and there is a serious limit to how much branching can be done given resources. Blah blah blah. And uh, a fan who was also like a partnered streamer with Guild Wars responded uh, and said, really interesting thread to read. However, allow me to disagree slightly and then had another few tweets that was like, here's how actually you can use your uh, – you can actually use branching dialogue. Um, and so then Bryce oh, – sorry, not Bryce. Price replies to that streamer, uh, DeRoyer, I don't know how to pronounce uh, this this person's uh, name on the internet, D-E-R-O-I-R, and then basically said like, hey, thanks for mansplaining. Like, thanks for trying to tell me what to do with my job, how to do my job, how to do my yeah, job basically. Yeah. Um, and then and they made a more broad tweet, a quote tweet that was like, like, here we go again. Like, here is, this is, I get this all the time. I can't believe people consistently try to tell me how to do my job. I'm a trained expert. Like, I'm so exhausted by this. Um, and there, uh, people got uh, sort of latched on to the term rando asshat. As that the, is, yes, that was the, the phrase. Term Rand- being used to describe uh, the person that chimed in that was more broadly yes. representative, I think, for her of uh, a lot more people that do that on a daily basis. Right. Well, to be clear, the thing that she said was like, she didn't. I don't think that was a quote t- tweet, and I'm not. I don't want to like get into the. Yeah, her Twitter's locked now, so it's a little hard to. Yeah, but yeah. my understanding is that she was saying like, like the next rando asshat who blah 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 is like, which is not not right. calling him a rando asshat. But I just wanted to, for the for the sake of clarity, she was not like you are a rando asshat. Right. It was like this general, which in some ways maybe is part of what causes a greater deal of ire, which is like, oh, for this developer, there's an entire category of people who are quote rando asshats, uh, which. <laughs> I understand what the feeling is. There, that is that is a, a feeling that is totally. Yep. In any case, so you uh, uh, another developer there who's been there for nine years. Another another person on the writing team uh, was basically like, hey, like she wasn't asking for advice uh, here, and 
the community went like apeshit on yep. both of them. Went very, very str- like hard on Reddit. Harassed. Very much yeah. like you know brigading their mentions and being very, very aggressive and calling for their firing. And so ArenaNet fired them, uh, both of them. The the statement that was given. I'm going to find the exact wording because I think that it is worth framing that exactly the way it was framed. Uh, one second. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. Do you have it? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so they gave this out to, to Eurogamer and a couple of their outlets. But so this is the official statement from ArenaNet that was, "quote We strive to cultivate an atmosphere of transparency around the making of our games, and encourage our teams to be involved in open, positive discussion with our community." Earlier this week, two of our employees failed to uphold our standards of communication with our players and fans, and they are no longer with the company. Right. Uh, there was also a post on the Guild Wars Two forums before they gave quote that was from uh, Mike O'Brien uh, from the from the company who said recently two of He's our the president of, the, of, of, yeah. of yeah ArenaNet who said recently two of our employees failed to uphold our standards of communicating with players their attacks on the community were unacceptable Jesus. as a result they're no longer with the company I want to be clear that the statements they they made do not reflect the views of ArenaNet at all as a company we always strive to have a collaborative relationship with the Guild Wars community we value your input we make this game for you. And I think that this sparked a really large conversation um, uh, between developers and players and critics and journalists and industry analysts and everything in between, um, artists, everything, you know, freelancers, contractors, uh, ranging from what the what the place of social media was in someone's work or private life to uh, what should be expected uh, uh, f- uh, in terms of fan communication um, to you know whether or not this le- will lead to or has already led to an enabling and an encouraging of some really gross behavior on the part of uh, of of kind of <laughs> these rancid uh, fans who just like have decided this is what is this is entitled to them that like we decide who works there um, and I. I'm very curious, you know, to go around the table because I, I don't know that there is. I don't think there's one right way to feel about the situation. I think that like there's some nuance here, and it's worth talking about it with some nuance. Even though I also think I can firmly say that I personally think that the firing is a step too far and is like shitty as hell. Uh, so I'm just curious from y'all, like how how did you feel as this was unfurling or as you came to it over the weekend or whatever? I could say that just as a woman online, the amount of men who tell me how to do my job. <laughs> All of my jobs, any of my jobs, how, how to do emergency medicine, how to do writing about video games, how to do video editing, how to do podcasting, about any of the things that I do professionally can be the most exhausting and frustrating and infuriating thing uh, in the universe. Like you can post something where you're sort of sharing your work or you're sharing you know, some piece of advice or some piece of, of your knowledge and your life and you can fucking guarantee – it's like clockwork. That somebody uh, may or may not be a man. I'm not saying this is always a man doing this, and I don't want to like be unclear mm-hmm. about that. Like it, it, women can certainly do this as well, um, and, and yet, do as and well. Yet. <laughs> and yet, and, and, and yet, like, and yet, I, you know, uh, oftentimes uh, it, it seems like it's a dude doing it. So again, I just to be clear, it can be anybody. People can be shitty no matter right, what they right. are. I like. I want to be super clear about that. Uh, but it is. Um, it is so infuriating and it is so frustrating because you can be sitting there and saying like, oh, you know, I have all these credentials. I've been doing this type of work for so long. Like I feel like confident in my work. 
uh, and just just have this this amount of noise. It's not one person saying it, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably the thing that should be super super clear when I'm saying this. It's it's never that one person saying it. It's the fact that this is a torrential downpour of bullshit that sort of comes at you all the time, constantly, constantly, constantly. Oftentimes from people who say they're fans of the thing that you do, or say or claim to be a fan, or claim to be interested uh, in whatever type of work it is. Uh, I imagine, I don't know Jessica personally, but I imagine uh, that this was that drop in the bucket that just overflowed the right. bucket. So I have a lot of sympathy uh, for her and what she went through with this. And I do agree that that firing her was a step too far, and the other developer was a step mm-hmm. way too far, and it is enabling of fans. Do I necessarily think she approached this the best possible way out of all ways in the world? Maybe not. Right. Uh, but I have absolutely but been guilty that's of doing the thing. this so as that's, well. Like yeah. I have gone off on on somebody. That is one hundred percent what I come back to. Is like yeah. I I'm, so I I had a thread about this the other day that fundamentally said that the thing that I was most surprised in seeing from my fans, from from people who followed us, yeah. all of us, yep. and who were people who wrote into us and who who've been supportive of all of our endeavors, are people who kind of said like, yeah, but she was really mean to that guy. Oh my God. And so like <laughs> I guess it makes sense that you know the customer's always right. You got to fire like. The idea that that is I, – I, I, let's not even – we don't even have to get into what the customer is always right means actually right. or whether or not it's you know applicable here or, or whether or not customers – like it's, it's such a messy thing there already. But for me, there was just this real case of binary thinking of – and I'm not saying – I don't know at all if, if Jessica had previously – if either of these workers had previously had instances of disciplining inside of the office or if they'd been on a performance plan or had, had taken – had meetings uh, you know, or had uh, yearly reviews in which you know, social media behavior or if there was a, a publicly or, or a privately known and available social media policy that they'd broken many – I don't know. I'm not saying right, that I know that stuff and it's not what I was saying on that, in that, tweet, that Twitter thread. But what I was saying was that in the responses I saw from so many people – there was this binary thinking of like, well, either you're hired or you're fired, and there's nothing to do if the second you step over a line, get the fuck out. I'm like, you think I haven't said some shit on Twitter where someone privately has been like, hey, Austin, like, it's your Twitter, you can do whatever you want, but also, bruh, like, I think I've had that conversation with all three of you. I've had it with everybody yep. I've ever worked. <laughs> I had it with people that I've worked with where I wasn't their bosses, where I was like, yo, did you just tweet that? Yeah. And that, that stuff happens, and it is, but it is also my job as as a manager to have to be like, okay, I know here is what the social media policy space is. I'm not here to shut down conversation and I'm not here to say that like you can't say X, Y, Z, but like, hey, here are some people you upset. And uh, you know if there is there is there a reason to have for for that to have happened? Like, what was the thinking there? Let's talk about other things that we can do when X Y Z thing happens. And there's this huge space from <laughs> that conversation, which is like a little pull aside at lunch, where we're like, oh hey, right. on Twitter this weekend, you know, I'm sorry I said X Y Z thing. I really riled up those people, huh? Two. You know, hey, you've broken this policy thirty job. times. You've lost your job. There are a million things between those two, and for so many people, those million things just don't, well, just didn't exist in their in their minds. And I think a lot of people pointed out to me. They were like, "Hey, well, that's because for ninety percent of the jobs in in America that are for the people responding, there isn't that middle ground, or, or at least that middle ground isn't is so vague as to not be existent. We're like, no, you broke the rules. Get the fuck out of Walmart. Like, there's no middle ground there. And so I, I'm sympathetic to that view, but I think we should still be able to hold companies. 
companies like Arena to a higher standard and demand that in a situation like this, they don't concede to a mob of people, yeah. which sends them a message that this sort of action will work. Um, yeah. case, Especially when you, we live in a world where like you're expected to talk to fans, right? right. Like, you don't, but you don't get paid for that part. No, it's you do not. Comes, it just comes with the territory that oh, mm-hmm. engagement is, and it does work. Right, like, engagement is like net positive probably for a lot of things, but it doesn't come with con- it comes with consequences. And like right. this is one of those situations where she was probably not being paid to talk to fans, and this is something she did on the side. Um, and if you you know had. You know, seen her Twitter feed before. This is was like not uncommon, like for her to like explain like different like approaches to game design. She was also very vocal about um, you know different social justice issues, and so like right. the tone was like very consistent. Um, and so that's what makes like this particular response by ArenaNet like really infuriating. Like regardless of how you feel about how she handled this particular instance, um, like we've all had moments where we do that lash out, but like this, all this does is just give the mob like way more incentive because they got. Yeah. They got they got victims like they won they won this skirmish well, between and, a, and, 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 and and that's and how they me, see when it I, too. I, that's how they see it. They right. think of this well, as right. a game as like points on the board and it's yeah it's so frustrating. And they didn't even they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't extract anything from ArenaNet right. Like if there was <laughs> right. a concentrated campaign that showed they were losing money because people stopped buying cosmetics, like you can start to see where like the corporate. Like uh, uh, like inches in on like making a decision like this, but this is like purely an optics thing. Where like over the course of tw- you know uh, uh, for you know a couple of days, like a bunch of Reddit threads like brought like two people out of their like you know uh, gainful employment, um, and especially you know it, what's going on right now with like in, you know yeah. there's a whole thing called Comics Gate happening. Like um, like there it's this stuff is in in the water, and like the more that you. Like, ArenaNet has only churned it in a way, especially with the statements they put out. Like, the statements they put out basically said, like, you won, you're right. Like, and, and it's, yep. it's just so – makes me so angry to see that's the response because it's it's so knee-jerky. It is not understanding the larger context this takes place 100%. in. And there were so many other ways for you to, to pull those two aside and find some way that didn't even force them to give an apology. But just there are other ways to handle this where everyone – comes out on the other side once the headlines go away three days later. Right. Uh, but instead, one, you just fueled it more. Um, and two, you've only uh, inspired further attack down the line. Like, this will just happen again with Guild Wars 2. Or you'll just get a bunch of team members that no longer want to interact with their fans because yep. what's the fucking point? Yeah. Yep. Totally. You might just get fired if you get frustrated with right. somebody. Yeah, yeah, you don't like, get a bonus for, like, sending out 10 <laughs> tweets to fans. Right, nope. right, yeah. Right, that 20-tweet thread about, like, oh, let me give some insight into, like, designing the dialogue system. That wasn't – there was nothing – she wasn't gaining anything from right. that outside of reaching her audience and the fans that, that she wanted to reach. I mean, I also think that this points to some degree to one of the things about Twitter that's so frustrating is that it is not a well-designed platform for talking to people who have lots of followers. Like if you are someone who wants to talk to any of us on this podcast, like it's so easy for your words to get lost in the mix of so many other people. It's so easy for your words to get misunderstood. Uh, I, I don't even remember. It might have been about this even, but someone sent me a tweet. Uh, I think yeah, in response to my thread about this that with no context because I didn't know this person, they were just like making a light joke and it, I, was, like, I was completely like – I expected better from you or something like that. And they were like, oh, no, like here uh, – I see how you read it. My bad. Here's what I meant. And I was like, oh, OK. Yeah, that's a funny joke. But like there, it's such an onslaught that – and yeah. so many times it's so clearly in bad faith that it's so hard sometimes to read good faith into comments, which is the thing. is like this person who sent her that thing who like well, actually I have some thoughts 
probably meant the nicest meant that the nicest way they could conceive of and it doesn't matter like there's a point at which or it's possible that they did. Uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not i'm not sure if they clue. necessarily no, were i don't like, have a clue i don't i don't know who t- they it's are possible they it's, were well it's feasible but the yeah. point is that twitter but is a but it's also very difficult right it's, it's almost impossible to, to tell be, it's impossible yeah, to tell yeah. on twitter and when it happens in such a pattern of like undercutting someone whose job it is to do this and who is professionally trained to do it again and again and again, it will lead to moments where you're like, I'm going to fucking tear down this whole building. <laughs> like, I yeah. can't believe I have some some rando asshat who I don't know. Who that, I mean, that's the other thing. is like there's often uh, uh, sites like Twitter build a presumption of familiarity. It's like the other thing I find myself saying more and more is like, hey, reconsider how close we are. Like, we've never spoken before and you're making a joke about me like we go back to high school. And that is – that comes from a sort of of one-sided connectivity and it's like what our careers are based on. We're doing a podcast that is about feeling like you know us to some degree. You hear us every week and that produces a sense of like, oh, yeah, I can just like reach out and blah, blah, blah and, and speak with a sort of familiarity. And that is powerful and I think that it leads to one of the reasons why – Podcasts like this and live streaming and all that is so successful because you can turn to to people, you know, in their output, in moments of darkness, in moments of stress, in moments where you need relief, and it's why I'm happy to do what we do. But I do also think that it, it especially when it's not when platforms like Twitter are so uh, unwilling to provide services or or, or, or unwilling to produce a uh, a flow that allows things to hit you in a way that that like lets you actually engage with people while still not being overwhelming like it just kind of poisons the well a little bit and and it it means that like a lot of these reactions come from just being fucking buried under bullshit it's so frustrating yeah. anyway um, rob sorry i i was going around the table and then i stopped <laughs> no it's <laughs> Something else that, that's going on here is like this isn't like Twitter is not school. Like mm. people in positions of authority and expertise are not actually obligated to entertain or treat with a great deal of respect your naive and I mean that in the like you simply the have not dictionary studied, you have the training. Right. Yeah. Your your naive understanding of the field in which they work and practice their craft. And even if this guy is well-intentioned and there's nothing – like I didn't see Who anything – like he, yeah, he didn't seem like a bad actor. Uh, but at the same time, it looked like he was making a pretty basic-ass point yeah. uh, that was absolutely pretty much implied by her thread <laughs> yep. to, to that point. Mm-hmm. And so it's yet another one of those cases of like – you're in a position where you could teach like a capstone level, like 500 level, like course in this exact subject, and somebody's raising their hand with like a fucking like 101 level question that right. is covered in the first five minutes of the talk. Like, like you and they're not and nobody's obligated at that point to catch you up to their level in that conversation where you can participate productively. And there is a point where if people get heated or like the you are the several hundredth person to raise the same basic points as before, uh, you might just end up being the person that, you know, someone runs out of patience for. And it's not necessarily, like, about you or about, like, them, like, you know, you having malicious intent. It's just you don't... You you haven't put in the work to take part in those conversations. You're not operating... At their level, and you're still sort of stepping up there, acting as if your entire like your idea 
uh, that you're sort of going off the cuff with should be treated with the same consideration as a fellow expert in the field. That's you know it's that that I think is one of the frust that's one of the frustrating parts of this for me is like Twitter encourages a lot of a lot of people making really basic and mundane observations as if they are novel points and that shit is exhausting in its own way. Like even setting aside right. the even setting aside the toxicity, like having this chorus of people all having the same fucking basic ass thought that should already have been dismissed out of hand. That is exhausting, too. Yeah, and I think there's a, a level of expecting emotional labor here as well, especially in this case of like, hey, I, I, I said something. Did you hear me? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, can you make space for me? Uh, and also, and listen to me. And also, I have like a really good point. And uh, also, like, here's what I think about this. Like, it's a very, like, incredibly frustrating thing where somebody yeah. assumes that you're going to make that room for them or assumes that they're going to make room to not only patiently explain to them, but also to, like, you know, give you a lot of your time right. and give you a lot of, you know, effort to actually sort of clarify something and, and literally teach something. Like, that's that's a job. Teaching is a job. job. Being on Twitter is not this person's job anyway. I mean, I know it is a job, but like that's not like this person's person's job job in this case. Exactly. So and and I see that in in a really gendered way as well, like expecting emotional labor. That's a thing that, you know, there's been a lot of studies on this where women are expected in the workplace to do certain extra things in a lot of ways to like, you know, the soft skills to Mm -hmm. like understand or smooth things over Mm -hmm. or that sort of thing. And that's also like incredibly frustrating, even if you have the personality type where you enjoy doing that sort of thing or are fine doing that sort of thing. Thing like, I see this happen all the time. Where it's almost like you know people are just like throwing that on women. Like, oh, I expect you to kind of do this extra bit. Sort of. This thing. is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like okay, why? Plate. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there is there is so much here that reflects our so many of the unanswered or or, or non normalized or non non unsettled parts and unsettling parts of being a, a person in 2018 <laughs> in a public-facing role of any kind or in roles that are would traditionally not be public-facing, right? The – you know, some people who were developing games would have blogs for years and years. It's not like there were not forward-facing stuff on, on game dev teams. But it would, it's so much easier now and also is encouraged, if not by your employer necessarily, by the market. To be gotta public have a brand, facing. baby. You gotta yep. have a brand. That's exactly it. <laughs> and you should. And you should. Right. Like, the, like you are right. rewarded. Like, there is intrinsic. Like, a huge part of the reason to use Twitter is because when I leave a publication, yep. I can bring people with me that is irrespective of the platform that hosted what I was writing before. Like, there is enormous power and agency in using places like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram 100%. or whatever. Choose your choose your platform. Um, that, that is disconnected from an employer. So having that stuff is part of actually giving yourself power in the employer-employee yes. relationship. Yeah. And, like, that gives me power past, present, future in a way that, uh, you know, different generations did not have. And so there's – yeah, there's the, the market pressure because yep. on an, from an employment status, like, this can help you. And, like, if you have a bunch of followers, like – no shit that an employer is going to look at that and think like maybe this person is doing something right if people are listening to them. Right. But at the same time, the culture, as Rob has suggested, has taught people to say like, oh, I should raise my hand. And in fact, it's, it's often part of that same thing of like yeah. I need a brand. I need my fucking way in. I'm going to respond to whatever anybody says. See me, see me, see me. Bring me up. So that's part of the culture thing that Rob is saying. And then, and then again, like as a platform – 
in so many ways, Twitter encourages people to just say the first thing that comes to their mind. Or be outrageous. Or be outrageous. Or be, or be the obnoxious. Most totally. But I mean, like, even just, yeah. even just how many times have you been like, what's a good place to eat in Brooklyn? And then, like, 30 people say the same restaurant. And that's just like, the platform doesn't make it clear to people that you've heard the same shit 30 times. <laughs> yep. And so it's a combination of this culture of, like, me, 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 like, I need to be... I need to tell you what to do. And again, it's, it's absolutely a gendered thing, yeah. at least to some degree. Yeah. And then on top of that, a platform that has never really decided to take seriously the ways in which this stuff can lead to brigading and like really toxic behaviors and, and, and uh, uh, trying to push someone off of this platform. And it's why again and again we see people leaving uh, these various platforms. And it's frustrating because when it works well – there is a lot to gain there. I, I think I've said I said this a long time ago, but like one of the f- best things I learned to do on Twitter, and the thing that actually helped me like become someone people liked to talk to, was to only respond when I actually had something novel to say, and to be deadly serious when it came to to deciding whether I did or not, whether or not the person I was talking like thinking, hey. This person's job is – I mean for years I was the player who was like, well, why didn't they just add blank to this game? And then you know, you start to talk to people who make games or you start to make games yourself and you're like, oh, yeah. I see. <laughs> I see. You think of thing A through Z and you know, it turns out A through X just don't work. You know, All of those other solutions didn't work and then you try some hobbled together version of, of Y and Z uh, and that works and like, fuck it, ship it. Like that's what we got to go with. Uh, and And in the moments when I realized like, OK – I don't need to rush to be the first person to make a joke and also I don't need to be the person who says, well, actually, if you'd read this thing that I read uh, and instead focused on where's my area of expertise, where where do I genuinely have a really good joke to tell? Um, hey, am I just repeating this person's point or joke back to them? Hey, am I – am I elbowing into a social group that maybe I just am jealous of? Um, hey, am I – there's so many, so many behaviors where it's like, hey, am I just like in this person's mentions constantly and they never reply to me? Maybe I'm not taking a hint. Like <laughs> learning that stuff helped me actually then focus on the actual positive relationships that I was building on Twitter. And and there are lots of people I and I don't I don't mean this in an upward mobility sense. I genuinely like a lot of my favorite follow people I follow on Twitter are people who just are really funny and really mm-hmm. smart and who do provide really great insight about topics I don't happen to know a lot about and who don't have huge social media followings but who have been consistently a joy to talk to. And that comes from the same reasons anybody is a joy to talk to, being conscientious, being empathetic, being thoughtful in your responses. And all of that gets erased when what you want is the person you don't – they said a mean thing to us. <laughs> Like, rah, rah, get them off the fucking game. There's just, like, none of that. There's no compassion. There's no empathy. There's no desire to understand the actual process that goes into making a game. And it's and it, it's just so frustrating. Whew. The, the other thing I find deeply fucking frustrating about this and actually, like, have difficulty sort of getting a handle on the my contempt... Uh, is the way ArenaNet conducted themselves yeah. uh, around this, yeah. and the lack of leadership being shown by like there's by Michael Bryan? Uh, it's 2018. Like at this point, part of knowing how the games industry works is knowing that brigading campaigns happen, yep. coordinated harassment campaigns happen, yep. and that every time, like you have to really carefully consider 
what is happening online and how much how much fire is behind the smoke you are seeing? Yes, like, you're really, seeing a ton how, of smoke, but what is it right. really? Yeah, like how right. many like how many people really give that much of a shit? And two, every time you sort of give in to the mob, you are creating perverse incentives to encourage further harassment of your employees and harassment of other people's employees. You're like right. you are failing a test of collegiality. Mm-hmm. of being You're- a good member of your profession because now you are basically sending up a signal that like hey sometimes this shit works and those costs will not be borne by you the ceo right. it will be borne by that employee those employees whose example you are taking advantage of saying like well we have lots of people who engage in positive interactions with the community God. not me by the way i'm a faceless suit like you know I, like <laughs> hiding behind a rarely used uh, corporate forum account but my employees talk to talk to you folks and do a lot of outreach on behalf of the company and if it ever goes bad fuck them under the bus they go. <laughs> right. Like, uh, uh, that pisses me off. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I, I do want to say that we should move, not with care necessarily, but, but we should move thoughtfully because I do think that one of the things that – one of the rhetorical moves I've seen put to work by bad, bad, by bad faith actors but also, again, by people who I know who like our work and respect us is to say, yeah, but like you love shouting at Scott Pruitt at a diner and like – one, you damn right I do. Yeah. <laughs> Two, this is not the same thing. Nope. In the world in which a game designer or a narrative designer on a game is rude to somebody on Twitter. I'm not even saying that's what this is. She was very clearly like blowing off some steam and was, was mad as shit. I don't know if I'm going to go all the way to rude. It may be rude. In the, in the instance when someone is rude to someone on Twitter because they got an explanation, a 101 level explanation in response to a 500 level, uh, uh, you know, 20, th- 20 uh, post thread, that is not the same thing as poisoning our water. Yep. This is not a hard concept. I'm not saying that people should never be fired for their jobs. And any attempt to say that, like, oh, yeah, I was happy when someone who was supporting white nationalists lost their job, I should never want anyone to lose their job, is, again, either in, uh, the, uh, an argument from the worst position, the, the, the like completely disingenuous, you're just trying to fatigue me yeah. with new information, with words, with just like, you're uh, just trying you to hit my eyes. you it's a slippery slope? Yeah, have I considered? Yes, I have, and guess what? It ain't. Because there's a huge difference between someone who is rude to me on Twitter and someone who was a racist. It ain't the same mountain. It isn't. It and ain't. we have to nope. talk about substance and not just form in yeah. this way, right? We have to talk about what is being said. What is the difference between Mitch McConnell and and uh, Price? And and uh, I've already forgotten her first name. I feel terrible. Jessica Price. Jessica Price, Jessica. yeah. I got there. I got there. Um, and, and that is, again, such a disingenuous argument or a, a, a naive argument. And I don't mean naive in the, dic- in the dictionary sense. I mean that you've been taken in sense. Yeah. Like that argument – is uh, it's in some ways a retreat from having to deal with the specifics of an argument. The, a retreat, uh, a foreclosing that there could be specific differences despite there being similar uh, similarities in form. There's a huge difference between 
This, uh, for instance, saying something like, hey, I don't think this person should keep their job because they were sexually harassing people or because they or because they were uh, uh, defrauding the company <laughs> or because they were not just rude on Twitter but were explicitly targeting uh, uh, people on Twitter and explicitly leading hate campaigns on Twitter and specifically guiding harassment campaigns on Twitter versus – I got rude on Twitter once. Those, there's a huge yes. gap between those two things. There's a huge divide. And we have to and, – and I'm not saying that there's never any gray area. There are people on Twitter who I think are super shitty and who do – and who absolutely do something that walks right up against the line of leading an organized harassment campaign. I know this because I've been on the other side of one because I faved a tweet in which someone said once, ugh. I, I'm it's it's a bummer that Total Biscuit died. I would have rathered him live to confront the fact that for some amount of years he did some really shitty stuff. Right. I faved that tweet and what happened was I couldn't use Twitter for three days yep. because someone was like, Austin faved that tweet, everybody, go get him. I still don't want that dude to be you know, fired. That's right up against the line. That's right up against the line yep. of is this is this a targeted harassment campaign? Even there, so I, I do think it's there's nuance here. Plausible deniability. Totally. Like, gives Twitter all like that. Like it your, sucks. Your, that your, your, your discussion about like sort of the platform and its inability to communicate people to things that are occurring simultaneously, yeah. like is very much what allows plausible deniability of harassment campaigns. Like this is how brigading works. Is like yep. it takes advantage of weaknesses in the platform, yeah. so you can exploit people in a way that is hard for others to actually understand. When you copy and paste a tweet and look at that on Twitter.com, yeah. you don't see all the replies. Like you see you like replies don't. that yeah. are like selected by Twitter for you to see that are usually highlighted by engagement and faves and stuff like that. You don't see the whole mountain of shit that like goes through someone's feed. And so like it's built in a way where you can't actually prove how bad the harassment <laughs> is because there's no way for you to fucking see it. And, and like, I see yeah. like, you mm-hmm. see how Twitter lands at that, right? Because it makes sense from a certain perspective. But it exposes a structural weakness that things like that, the way ArenaNet handles this only in you know encourages people to do stuff like this in the future because it works. It's hard to detect and it continues to be successful not only in video games but in all sorts of other mediums. Yes, but I think what's what's bothering me a little bit here is the problem here isn't that the people in charge of ArenaNet are insufficiently online to understand what is going on. <laughs> right. right. Like, right. yes, there are a lot of structural issues with Twitter. Like, yes. That we can, like, we live them. We all know, like, the many things that are fucked up with the way Twitter, like, presents information, the voices it elevates, all that stuff, the stuff foregrounds. But I look at what happened in this specific case, and I see ArenaNet making a positive decision, not just, like, reacting to, like... I can't right. know all their motivations, but this was a very swift and pointed reaction, not just to fire the original offending employee Quote for unquote. maybe like yeah. having one moment in which they were an asshole online, but then firing another employee who gave a pretty considered measured defense and explanation <laughs> yeah. of what's behind that moment. Yeah, we didn't even this read was that. Like it's really beyond the pale. I agree. This was like arena that chose to brandish two severed heads <laughs> like yep. immediately in front of the crowd. And say, like, this is completely... These people have shamed Arena. They brought disgrace to the house of Guild Wars. And they have been they have been put to the sword. Like, that is what they chose to do. That is the message they sent out. And it's not that, like... It's not that they were, like, tricked by... It's not that... It can't just be right. put down to... The, like, they were tricked by brigading. They didn't know how, like, being online works. They wanted to send a message here, both to yeah, their yeah. to yep. this audience and to their and to their employees. And, to their staff, and that's what yep. I, 
Yeah, and that's what I find so fucking toxic totally. about this, is this isn't just like they handled it badly and they panic they panicked in one minute. There's like an affirmative decision to send this message about how they view their fans, including their worst fucking fans, and how they view their employees who make the fucking game. Right, including uh, inclu- right, including uh, so Peter Fries is the other is the other uh, person who was fired here. This is a reading from TheVerge.com. Fries, a 12-year veteran of the company, was also fired, presumably for a now-deleted series of tweets where he came to the defense of his coworker. Quote, here's a bit of insight that I legitimately hope he reflects on. She never asked for his feedback. Uh, these are our private social media accounts. Imagine you're an astronomer and you start sharing some things you've learned in the last few months since you began a research project observing Saturn, only to have the observation techniques explained to you by a layman. Jessica is great at her job and deserves to be treated with respect. Yeah, like what? What about? That? What who, about that? I, so hateful. I, I don't <laughs> even. I can't even conceive of, of how their that attacks is bad. on the community were unacceptable. Oh Jesus fucking. It's – you're absolutely right. I remember I, him I, saying – again, I don't know if his Twitter is locked, but I also yeah. remember him saying something about like, this is July 4th. This is our day off. Please. Yeah. Like in yeah. a very polite way. Like, yeah. please, please. This is our day off. Can you please stop? Like, stop <laughs> harassing her. Like, asking nicely. Very much so. Like, this is a national holiday. There are no days off at Arena off. now. <laughs> no, that's yeah, it. like, it's, it, this is hellish. This it's, sets a hellish precedent. And things have already not been amazing for developers uh, in terms totally, of labor totally. and organizing and work practices. And Patrick, you wrote that great story today about have, that. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, God, the way this all came together, it was almost like a heat wave, like a fever pitch of, of just bad things in the game industry, all sort of calcifying into one little nugget that turned into a yeah. black hole. This was know? the first time I had... You know, there have been moments when we've been under the microscope for missteps, 100%. Sure. Like, I, I'm totally uh, happy to own up to when we fuck up on things. Um, and there have been plenty of times when I haven't fucked up, but someone still sends you know thousands of people after me on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there have been death threats, and there have been you know I, I have had moments where, as an individual, I have felt targeted in ways that have made me feel unsafe. This is the first time where I felt like. Oh shit! Are we going to get a flare up, like a real big industry wide flare up of Gamergate again? It, it felt like the constituent parts were, were coming together. The narrative was crystallizing. The fence sitters, the people who were like messaging me and going, "It's I, I don't, I'm surprised that you would support Jessica Price in this." Like I don't fucking know Jessica Price, but I support like the show I've been saying for the last thirty minutes. Um, and and it felt like. This stuff was building to a response that – and it still feels that way to me. But you know, when the, the days that this was first starting up, it there was like a shudder, like a little like a like a there was a it felt like an echo of Gamergate. And obviously, we've all said this before that like Gamergate existed before we called it Gamergate. I'm not surprised that there are still like very shitty, very misogynistic elements of the games industry and and, and games culture. This is not me saying like, oh wow, I didn't know Gamergate was still right. around. Like I fucking believe me, I know. But it was the first time that it felt like. All the ingredients were back in the pot and all they needed was a stir and there were lots of people lining up with spoons. And this was that spark. And ArenaNet lit the, little, li- fun, the right. burner underneath right. to make the shit soup, right. basically. Uh, Rob, you just you raised your hand. Did no, you I was giggling. But oh. it, it, like, the thing it reminds me of is like it reminds me of that fucking like letter to letter from the publisher that the escapist like put up uh, oh. like about halfway through Gamergate where it was like, we've got a new ethics policy mm-hmm. thanks to you. 
the gamers. The gamers. <laughs> no one's going to thank you for your sacrifice. But you've made the Defy Media properties better forever and all time. Now I have to leave this company and go manage Milo's business affairs, <laughs> which are going to go super well under my stewardship. Uh-huh. Trust me. But you should know that before I turn the lights off at The Escapist, you've made it a great website. <laughs> right, right. Or, right. or so I could imagine. Right, something like something like that. Well, that was the, the the vibe from this to me was just one of those things of like I can imagine this being a catalyst for a lot of people who are uh, who are acting in in good intentions and who say, well, wait a second, these people have some good points, which is what happened last time, and and it is so important for people to get ahead of that. Um, and to make it clear that you know, it, it, we all run our own communities on, on the internet at this point. We all belong to many communities, but we all also curate our own social network feeds. We deal with people on our Facebook pages, on our Twitter pages, on our Instagram pages. As, as Patrick was saying earlier, like regardless of what your platform is, 2018 means to some degree you are some sort of brand, even if all you're doing is talking about bad basketball trades. Um, <laughs> keep be as mindful as you can about how you're curating those spaces and which ideas you're encouraging and are enabling. Um, and I, you know, I don't think everyone needs to agree with me on shit to be a good person or anything like that. But I, but I do think that I do know that, you know, in 2014, I wish that there had been people who had large and midsize and small communities who were not sitting on the fence. Um, and I don't, everyone sat on the fence. Like I, I, I fucking know. Part, I worked on a website that sat on the fence. Right. Um, right. Um, uh, and not not because they're full of bad people. It's just that people waited way too long to pull the trigger. Yep. Not that it would have squashed a thing. Not the Gamergate would have stopped at its tracks. But there there was there were moments for people to put up the sort of like emotional right. and psychological support as an industry, and they chose. Not to, and the video game development industry, the publishers still have not done that. Like this is this is just a reverberation of cowardice in the face of actually facing down like these these toxic subsets of of players. Like, uh, and and they refuse to do that. They this this all this is rooted this is rooted back into like why developers don't talk about politics yep. uh, because like all of this is like in the same mixture together it all comes from the, some of the same sources and it's just yeah it's 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 constantly frustrating i'm you know i'm I, I i'm upset with how i acted back then i could have been more forceful everyone could have been yeah. more forceful even the people that were um could have been more united and and they weren't and we're we're, we're seeing other you know where you see this pop out elsewhere you know i mean which is comics gate gamer, 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 yeah. gamergate didn't get trump elected but the playbook that was established during gamergate was certainly used right um by all sorts of uh, people during that and and it's not going away either, but the you know but ignoring it does not. You can't squash and solve the problem, but you can certainly acknowledge that it's a problem, and that's like fucking base level step one. one thing that yeah. You can do. But I think one of the things that's going to make solving that really difficult is the other thing this ties into, and it's the rhetoric that the arena net used to justify these firings, is that we just finished E three where we see developer after developer, publisher after publisher sort of go up there and celebrate you, the gamer. Celebrate our fans, mm-hmm. the people. You know, we make the games, 
But you fans are the ones who really make them special, uh, which is debatable. But it's, <laughs> it's it's rhetoric that like developer after developer sort of falls back on because one, it it plays well. It's a, it's an easy applause line, you know. Yeah, like everyone everyone who plays Destiny fucking hates us right now, but we love you guys so much. <laughs> We're just so grateful that you guys continue to play Destiny and. You know, even when even when you're shitty online, it just shows how passionate you are. Like I literally had an exchange with a developer from Dice, where I was talking about some of the flare up around, uh, you know, the fact that a you know there's female soldiers and a woman on the cover, and even there they they tend to couch things in terms of like, it just shows how resonant this franchise is with our fans, and we take a great deal of pride in that relationship. It is this inability to draw to draw a distinction between like positive fandom and enjoyment of something versus like toxic entitlement very right. few, like the companies will not draw the line between these two the, these two ways to engage with something and theoretically love something right like what like one is a form of love and one is like an attempt to control something you enjoy uh and that's a distinction that is important but bad actors like to blur that distinction a lot and companies tend to pretend the distinction doesn't exist at all. That fans are always good. The customer is always right. We are here to serve you. And there are moments where that absolutely cannot be true. There are moments where you have to serve the well-being of your employees, yeah. Yeah. of your business yeah. first. Right. And you have to be able to own that. Otherwise, you're always going to be playing this game of... Whenever the fan, like, basically trying to find a scapegoat for every time there's a decision that you made that's become a lightning rod of, of fan displeasure. Or just one of your employees had a public profile or said something online mm-hmm. that also made them a lightning rod for a mob for no good reason. There's a point where you have to be able to say, like, you know what, fuck you. <laughs> We're not doing shit. Get out, get out of my shop. Right. 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 There, there needs to be a discerning Done difference. That, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, same. Uh, there, there needs to be a discerning difference between like – between, hey, this is actually – you know, someone took a step too far. Uh, someone actually did something that does not reflect the company and, you know, if one of you started tweeting like Nazi propaganda, we would have a number of talks. Yes. Right. If if some of you started tweeting transphobic, if you if some of y'all were like, I think it's good that the turfs marched at the front oh, of Jesus. Pride London, yeah. we would have some talks, and we'd be like, Hey, like you're hurting very specific people. You're hurting them in, in a way that is not just they wish that you could have a shotgun in each equipment slot in Destiny Two. Because <laughs> like you know, one same, absolutely same. Um, and 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 I, I think there was a place for a sort of a feedback mechanism for things like. I wish that the heavy weapon system was different in Destiny. But that's that one ideally should be in a way that does not take on the character of harassment even though it – or despite the fact that it is uh, uh, on its face or in, or in terms of its content isn't harassment. That structurally we need to find ways to provide feedback that are not about that. But also – we need to make sure that we're clear that that there is a distinction between the two, and also a distinction between between genuinely real feedback that that when you do step on someone's toe and when you do actually hurt them. Like I've said, there have been no, a number of times when we have fucked up, and I have no problem saying that we have fucked up. I think 
We are always trying to write the sorts of new types of stories. We're always trying to be honest about our responses to things. And sometimes that means that we are heated in ways that we wouldn't be in, in, in other circumstances. And other times, us, we completely stand by our heated, our heated game moments because mm-hmm. ours are not the same as many <laughs> Twitch users. Goddamn um, right. <laughs> but, but there are, but there are times when I, as a content creator on the internet, do have to fucking swallow my pride and be like, yeah, a lot of people are mad at me on some shit. All right. Let me just – I'm going to read all these fucking mentions and just feel bad for a few days and think about what I did. <laughs> and there's a difference between that and someone who is mad at us because we had an open dialogue about how we were going to or not going to cover Kingdom Come Deliverance. There's a distinction between right. those two things. And uh, and that's for me where I draw that line is the difference between actually doing someone psychological harm and and making content that someone disagrees with, and that's like such a such a big jump for me. You look like you had something else, Danielle. Well, I was going to say, I, so much of this uh, boils down for me to treating people like people. Yeah, and I know this yeah, sounds no, that's huge. it sounds almost reductive in no. how simple it is, but I, so much of this, from everything I understand about people on who do. Uh, sort of participate in harassment campaigns is is just being unable to see another person online yeah. as a human fucking being. Like a lot of the stuff around when Anita Sarkeesian was being harassed, a lot of the research that she had done and she and like Catherine Cross were on a panel once where they mm-hmm. talked about like some research that was done and it, a lot of it was down to it's just a game and it's yeah. it's just like a figurehead and it's just this idea of like feminazis, you know, ruining their fun. Like it, it it gets boiled down into these very dehumanizing sort of tactics. Yeah. And so much of it can be, if if not solved, because these are not easy problems to solve, but so much of it could be Things would be better if we all treated each other like human beings. That's sure the fucking would. you know Cheers cheesy ass corny cornball no, thing no, to but, say. But no, I, I, it it <laughs> however cheesy it is, I think it actually can work as a lens for root problems. Um, yeah. For me, that you build from that. You go, okay, well, why don't people see other people as humans? Right. And the answer is is multifaceted. Partly, partly it's a platform thing, but partly it's misogyny and it's racism and it is uh, you know a, a culture of of, of a kind of a hegemonic discourse that says certain people are more valuable than others. Partly in our space specifically, it's because games are you know treated as commodities. They're treated as yeah. as if they appear on the shelf fully formed, um, as if no one touched them or, or made them. Uh, they often reflect a, a, a wild ideology about how certain people who touch the game are more important than other people who touch the game and not in a not only in an auteur theory sense but often in an auteur theory sense sometimes in a well writers aren't really developers sense god um and and but often it is <laughs> yeah. this this you know it, it is this combination of factors of like well all right well people some people don't think anything a woman says about a creative work will ever be valuable and a lot of people don't, aren't interested in why how a game was made, and a lot of people aren't interested in in any sort of insight into how anything they buy is made. They only care about buying it and consuming it, and all of that can fuel a sort of really shitty, you know, trolly, uh, awful, dehumanizing uh, response. And so I don't think it's I don't think it's cheesy. Thanks. I think it's like the, the it's the best starting place we can have. Sometimes so. it helps as like a mantra to like totally. just say to myself, especially on my worst days or on days where I feel 
crappy online Uh or I'm having a rough day online to like, and again, I'm not perfect on this, but Mm -hmm. to kind of just sort of remind myself, like there's a human being behind this and there's a human being behind this sentiment, whether I agree with it or not. And to like not do that thing where someone's dehumanizing me, well, I will try to take the high road. (laughs) I always do my best to, when someone cuts me off and I'm driving, I was like, man, I don't know what type of date they had. Like, fuck them for cutting me off. Somebody's giving birth in the backseat, you know? I don't know where they're going. I don't know what they're up to. I'm not going to, I'm going to focus on getting where I need to go and do my best to not get I'll remember that there's a person behind the wheel, the other wheel, you know, and and who knows where they're at. And they so. might suck and they might be wrong. Totally. That's the other totally. thing. Like they, they might, might be they a might. piece of shit. They might. And but. if you know what, and if everybody in in, you know, Connecticut cuts me off again and again, Maybe I have some things to say about Maybe Connecticut. Maybe I'm a little pissed off. Maybe I'm pissed off with Connecticut for a while. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I think that comes to our conclusion today. Uh, any any final thoughts on this? Anyone else have any lingering? I, I guess I should note one fun thing <laughs> that's come out of this is that the International Game Developers Association uh, ran a ran a, a post today, like you know, an hour ago or something. Um, that is basically like, hey. Uh, the ID, the IGDA strongly encourages its members, both as individuals and studios and partners, to clarify the guidelines and expectations around social media use, both in professional and personal accounts. It's this long, you know, post that's like, here are some questions to ask your boss. Like, hey, what am I allowed to do on social media without you fucking firing me? <laughs> Um, what steps will happen if I'm hostile towards uh, towards uh, uh, someone um, on the internet? Well, what steps will you? Hostility. What steps will you take if someone is shitty to us? Yeah. And I, I've said this before with the kind of discourse around passion in hiring practices. But another good first step is to start talking about material benefits and and situations about where you work and where you'd like to work. Um, in the same way that I encourage uh, empl- you know, potential employees to continue to push their their current employers and future employers by asking them things like oh so so what is you know what's crunch like here what's you know what is work life balance like here how do you help encourage that and force that to be an issue that and it's one of the reasons why organized labor is actually very useful because an individual asking this to a potential potential employer doesn't have a lot to bargain with uh, but as a group you know you actually can start to say okay this is actually important to enough of us that I'm forcing the issue um, but you know if you're in a hiring position also to talk about how you protect people talk about what services you will offer to people who are just in case Twitter does come for them just in case Reddit does come for them make that a point of pride and actually sell yourself on it to talent and to potential hires because that will help make it a thing that people think about and that other people want to compete with you in providing similar protections. Patrick, you were laughing. I was laughing because I was uh, I got a text from uh, sort of a high-level game designer today about the labor piece and they appreciated it and were laughing at some of the yeah. really clumsy responses <laughs> that we got from some developers. You want to set that, this piece up a little uh, bit for people who haven't read it yet? Yeah, we posted a piece today where we – for a, a huge amount of the interviews that we did at E3, we had everyone on the staff uh, you know, ask some sort of a question related to labor or unionization um, just to kind of like get people on the record and – Asked folks as high as, you know, Reggie fils at Nintendo um, to, you know, a small, like, you know, basically one-man team um, and tried to get a different uh, scope of people on the record um, about their thoughts. And uh, there's a couple of really good, 
like thoughtful, interesting answers. There's the a lot of them are like skirting around saying anything, and a lot of them are like PR people glancing nervously around, hoping that the person won't step in it uh, in some way. Um, but a lot of the answers are like revealing of for how like unrehearsed they are. Yeah. Like, they're clearly someone like fumbling through. Like they're starting an answer and then immediately looking for the exit because they don't like developers like usually are like media trained before they go to an event, which is like, here are the questions we expect you're going to get asked. So you can at least think about like what are both to fit in the talking points of like what they're pushing on the game and also just so you don't get caught flat footed. And so the developer I was talking to uh, was just sort of chuckling at like how poorly like some of the responses were given how sort of like on message folks usually are about like everything related to their game. And I said, well, yeah, like I'll actually consider it to be an improvement if we ask all those same people or another round of questions next year, if we just did the same exact sort of topic, if I got canned PR responses, I would consider that to actually be some sort of meaningful improvement because it meant they were yes. forced to talk yep. about 100%. it and come up with a message, right? Like, so, yep. like, what I'm saying is, like, oh, I'll get worse answers. But, like, actually, it means in some way we, like, pushed the needle in, in a direction, which is to say, oh, this is important enough that people might ask, we need to have a discussion to give, like, a bullshit response. And a bullshit response at least means internally they talked about it and what should our message be. Even if that doesn't necessarily change the labor practices for, like, individual employees, uh, it, it puts it puts the message out there in a way that is rhetorically and, I think, like, actually uh, literally useful, um, both thus as critics and observers and, and also for, like, workers and employers. Yeah. So. I think we'll hear. I think you're right. I think we'll hear much more rehearsed answers on this next year, and I, I hopefully we will be in a place to continue to push them on that stuff and and dig deeper. The same way, I think we'll hear a lot of rehearsed answers on the politics question next year too. I don't think uh, anyone is yep. going to be as flat footed as as the division two was this year. Was, we'll, you know, and we'll see, but. All right. Uh, no dip in the question bucket today. We've already gone over in our time. So thank you, everyone, for listening today to this episode of Waypoint Radio. As always, thank yous to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. You can follow us, twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypointvice, youtube.com slash waypointvice, and twitter and twitch.tv slash waypoint. Are we skipping waypoints? Yeah, oh, yeah. Give me some waypoints. You're right. I forgot about waypoints. Sounds like you have a waypoint. <laughs> Oh, I was my, mine is uh, sort of like tangentially related to all this, which is that uh, 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 Star Wars: The Last Jedi has been a source of uh, lots of interesting yep. uh, uh, takes uh, on that movie. But um, actually, it's been super fascinating. If you don't follow the writer director of The Last Jedi, uh, whatever you thought of that that movie uh, on Twitter, he has one of those fascinating Twitter accounts yeah. in in Hollywood right now, or just sort of like in a like public facing creative medium. I don't know. I can't think of any other creator, especially one that's been at the center of like a controversial storm that The Last Jedi has been among certain shitty parts of the Star Wars fan base, mm-hmm. who actually sits and engages in replies, talks to these people, shits on these mm-hmm. people, like does, isn't just like you know fun about it, like oh you know haha, like actually like rhetorically dismantles people's awful arguments, whether they're related to his movie or the, you know, the harassment of the actors that were, you know, participated in that movie. And specifically, he, uh, uh, today, there was a tweet where he references uh, how shocked he is that more people don't know what Gamergate was um, and how much of that is a framework for what happens both with The Last Jedi and other sort of harassment campaigns. And so I would specifically point you to finding that tweet and then reading some of the replies to it 
um, and just seeing how similar a lot of this stuff really is, like how much how like easily radicalized all sorts of people were and how radicalization happens in sort of like toxic fandoms right. um, and to watch a creator actually like the thing we're asking more developers to do that are in positions of power and authority to like set a tone for like for these sorts of things like Ryan Johnson is out there doing that for yeah. Star Wars and his movie and I think it's really commendable I think he's put up with a lot of undue shit for it uh, from a lot of uh, uh, shitty folks out there but like I'm I'm I've been happy to watch him kind of take that fight to the front lines in a way that a lot of other creators just sort of walk away from. Yeah. Other waypoints. PK Dicks, Electric Dreams. I saw you tweeting about this. Yeah, it's really It's uh, been on my what? list. It's an anthology what? series. PK Dicks, oh. Electric Dicks. Dreams. I just I yep. just heard PK Dicks and I was like, what the fuck are Big you talking PK about? PK Dicks, Electric Energy. That's what they call it's me. It's really good. It's a really good show. It's an anthology series. Because uh, his name is Patrick Klepek. His awesome. name is Patrick Klepek. Yeah, so PK He's an anthology. Thanks. PK. Thank PK. Right. Someone. Uh-huh. I got you, PK Dick. I, oh I understand. Mm. If you were a private eye, you would literally oh, wow. be PK Dick. True. That, I, you might need a career change. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, it's a really good series. Uh, at least the episodes I've seen. I've seen about three or four episodes. Uh, it's very, you know, I, we're in the era of, of Black Mirror where anthology sci-fi series are coming back to some degree, at least a tiny, tiny little bit. Uh, I really like it. It's all sort of adaptations based on P.K. Dick stories. Uh, there's an episode that is really lovely about a really cool cyberpunk lesbian cop and her uh, very total recall-ish other life slash maybe it's a dream, maybe it's not. Uh, there's a really great one about sort of uh, Facebook and social media and high school kids. Uh, there's just a lot of really good, uh, interesting episodes. They're not all on the same level, uh, but I really, really enjoying sort of dipping in. So that's my waypoint. Awesome. Rob Zachney. Uh, well, boy, I kind of already did Skybound, so <laughs> I guess. Um, Skyfall. I was really sick for a week, so I actually didn't really, like, you want to hear about how much I like Billions? I like Billions a lot, and I can't, that may be a slightly indefensible statement, and yet here I am, Mr. <laughs> I Love Billions guy. Uh, you know, there, there, comes, there comes a time in your life when you must put away childish things and bury your DVD copies of Entourage, and that billions is right there for you. Being like, do you watch douchebags like having lots of political drama, but nothing really ever changes? Boom, billions. Uh, but what I will say is, the second and third seasons, it actually d- does go from being a really kind of stupid uh, and, and slightly scuzzy show to being a really good one about like mentorship and power and responsibility and what it is like to. Um, Real like what it is like both as a mentor and a mentee to realize that your ways have have diverged and you're sort of seeing through each other's bullshit uh, a little bit. And in the third season, there are a lot of like chickens that come home to roost uh, that are it, it is really satisfying to see how it all how it all comes together. Um, and in particular, like a lot of it centers on like literally billions becomes a good character because of one character. Um, Taylor, who's like this yeah. genius, uh, like this like trading savant, uh, and they're non-binary, and they're played by a non non-binary actor, uh, Asia Kate Dillon. And at first, the, like this character does not appear to be as as major as they, they end up being, but the third season is entirely about 
the dynamic between Taylor as a mentor to Damian Lewis's Bobby Axelrod is a very old school like finance bro and the different approaches they have toward work life their relationships with their coworkers and employees and what happens when like Axelrod realizes that Taylor is no longer this blank slate that he can like sort of project himself onto and sort of mm. mold that they have their own ideas for where the company and where the business should go and what happens when those differences become like you know unsolvable unbridgeable um so it actually does end up being a really good show almost like it creeps up on you like at first you're kind of, it's kind of like a almost riverdale-esque like oh, this is great this is I'm, wild yeah, I'm listening. what a roller coaster this is and then you're like wait this is good when did this get good <laughs> rob i finished I finished Riverdale. It's good. It gets really good. There's a dip in season two. I we think there's have two a, dips and like yes. two real high points. Real high points. Real that fucking that the like the episode that takes place over a long night. The long yes. <laughs> night of Riverdale. The tales from, tales from uh, the, that one. The, th- the triptych. No, that one's good too. No, no, no. I'm, that's a great one. But also, just like the second to last episode, oh, the where riot. everything just the, yeah, the riot. I was trying to avoid the spoiler of saying the riot. Oh, right. But it, we learned in the first season that there's been multiple riots in Riverdale history. Oh, that's which is weird for them to rich, rich on that. Which in. is weird. Like, which is weird. Yeah. Uh, but we should we should find a, a space to talk more Riverdale. Waypoint one hundred and one. Hell yeah. Maybe All we right. do it. Right Maybe first. we do it. Into Maybe it. Maybe we do it. Uh, one. I already did six ages as my real waypoint. But real quick, if you just want to get super bad, you like me should finally get around to watching Making a Murderer on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. Uh, it is evil geniuses. I, I watched I it. I watched it. I watched yep. it. I watched Good. it. I think I'm madder about Making a Murderer. Yeah. No, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, do you know the pitch on making a murderer? <laughs> well, as I heard, it was a really flawed documentary that makes a guy who like the the version I heard is that there's a yeah. lot of evidence to suggest this sure. motherfucker did bad things, and Netflix. Is I believe there it, doing and I think I think that that I think that story did not do a great job of presenting the. So, guy goes to jail for eighteen years for a a uh, sexual assault case. Attempted murder case, and then was fully exonerated in like 2003 um, for uh, via DNA evidence. And then a few years later, a couple years later, uh, he gets arrested, like in the middle of a case that he's bringing against the 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 kind of sheriff's department there, that county sheriff's department. He gets brought in, arrested on charges of uh, a brutal crime to a woman yeah. named Teresa Hallbach. And like a lot of uh, true crime stuff, it does not do the best job of treating Teresa Hallbach as a full person. Right. And we don't know any. I don't know anything. I watched ten hours of that show. I couldn't tell you the first thing about Teresa Hallbach, except that she has what I think is a very naive brother. Um, yep, that's the kind of it. That's right? about it. Um, but but and I of course it's a documentary, which means like any other thing a human has produced, it has its biases and it has its perspectives. I do not doubt at all that there is a lot of of information that was cut from this. Um, but. The information that is presented and just judging on the positive – the information that is positively presented in terms of like 
who the police investigated as potential killers in this second case, who they failed to investigate, what some of their procedures were like in terms of testing evidence and keeping uh, perhaps the the sheriff's department who uh, would have a conflict of interest out of the picture in, in this investigation. And every single thing the prosecutor does. Everything. <laughs> that fucking prosecutor. Every second uh, of everything he does. It's, is the, just, it's just, yeah. it's one of those things that's like, there's part of me that's like, oh, yeah, you want to know why people like me don't trust the cops? Look over here. Watch this show. There yeah, is there is yeah. it is worth it is worth watching just to see, I, you know, again, going critically, as Rob said, there's absolutely plenty of stuff <coughs> I'm sure was left out here. Um, but it was one of those documentaries that was like 10 episodes. How the fuck could they get 10 episodes out of this? Oh, yeah. I left to go and like, I need another five. Yep. There's more I need to know. Let me just just show me all the case. Let me see. Let me see all 500 hours of this. Uh, they're working on a follow up. So yeah, I it's 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 messy, but it was it was a better watch than I anticipated. So I enjoyed it. Staircase is supposed to be. A good, I've heard good that. I've heard that. Murder. I've heard that. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I've not gotten around to that one, but it's on my list. Yeah. All right. I think it's gonna do it for us. Finally, we're out of here. Danielle, what do we say to him? Be good. And be good at it and treat people like human beings. Treat them like human beings. That's not a big... Just treat them like human beings. Peace. Do it for the fans. Do it for the... You know what? Do it for the fans. (laughs) Passionate fans. Do it for the fans of human beings. Yeah. Like us. Be a human being fan. Have passion for them. And And be be good good at at it. it. Yeah. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.